Good morning, okay. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to uh, Seven Hills Fellowship. Welcome back if you've just been out in the uh, foyer making your way back in. Uh, my name is Jefferson Bennett. I, uh, my wife and I moved here uh, to Rome two years ago uh, so that, uh, that we could join the fellowship here at Seven Hills. And um, uh, while I finish up my uh, theology degree uh, down in Atlanta, and uh, uh, since that time, I've been working with uh, college students, young adults. Uh, I've started to work with high school students and their families recently, and it's been a real joy to, to do that. And um, this morning, it's a joy to, to get to be with y'all and, uh, and open the Word together. Uh, so before we do that, why don't we take a moment and pray again and ask the Lord for His help. Our Father in heaven, Jesus Holy Spirit, we ask for your help this morning as we open your word. We have sung to you, we have uh, read truths about you, we have, um, we have uh, come and joined together, and now, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us and that we would hear. In your name we pray, amen. You may have noticed the song we were listening to as y'all were coming back in was All You Need Is Love uh, by the Beatles, and uh, gosh, that's a good song, isn't it? Such a catchy song. You know, they, they were writing that song. They were a little behind on their deadline. Uh, John Lennon and the others were like, oh, when is that? That's like next week we have to write this thing for this, this massive broadcast that was going to go across uh, 25 countries back in the 60s, and uh, they're like, well, we better write something. And, uh, and they sat down and, and wrote that song. And, uh, and I love it. I think we have a picture here of the, of the Beatles, actually, here on Abbey Road. And um, side note, my wife and I lived uh, on Abbey Road for a couple of years down the street from here. And I think we saw literally every tourist uh, in the world try and get a picture going across that crosswalk. And we also saw all of our neighbors give them gestures and tell them to get out of the road. And uh, so we actually never got a picture. Isn't that funny? But the Beatles, the most famous rock band in the world, uh, we know them, we know the song, but uh, I would guess that few of us know the story behind the man who wrote that song, who was John Lennon. Uh, John Lennon was born back in 1940 during World War II, and uh, we have a picture of him here with his mom as a boy. He uh, he had um, a, a a sort of a hard start to life. He within uh, four years, his father would be out of the picture completely, um, and his mom wouldn't be able to care for him. So she had to give him over to her sister, uh, who would be uh, raising him and his primary uh, caretaker um, his entire uh, childhood. As Lennon grew up, you can see he did have contact with his mom, and he continued to, to grow in relationship with her, even though he didn't live with her. Um, she was actually the one who encouraged him in his uh, musical abilities. He, she bought him his first guitar. She was always uh, having him come and play and sing to her. Um, but unfortunately, uh, their relationship would be cut short um, when John was just 17 years old. After one of the visits to um, uh, his house, uh, his mom was leaving, 
and uh, she was tragically hit by a car and was killed on the scene. And Lennon would would really spend the rest of his life um, searching for love. Uh, You can tell through his songwriting, through his experiences, that he was looking for love. And one of the things that he really did was he, he gave birth to this sort of this, this philosophy that said all you need is love. The problem with that philosophy was the way that they defined it, right? It gave birth to this philosophy of, of, of free love, that, that love just needs to be free, that it needs to be um, free from all sort of um, commitments, all sort of rules, and just needs to be with whomever, uh, however um, you, know, you want. Just whatever you feel like, uh, you should go and, and do it. And it really reduced love down, unfortunately, to just the physical components of love, to just sex. And, um, and people, uh, as they began to um, use one another uh, for this cheapened version of, of romantic love, um, they became disillusioned to the whole concept of love. So, the tragedy of, of Lennon and so many of his generation was, was that in their search, in their pursuit of love, uh, they actually lost it. Today, this is a big topic, right? Uh, the world needs more love. That's something that we all seem to agree on, no matter where we come from. Uh, but what we can't seem to agree on is, is that what love is. And what does it do? So our passage this morning, we're going to look at Jesus' uh, teaching, his words on this uh, topic, this dilemma of ours today. We read in John fourteen fifteen to 21, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is the night he is going to be betrayed by Judas Iscariot and He's going to be handed over to be crucified. He sits down and has a meal and he talks with them. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. This morning, uh, I'm titling this sermon, Loving the Son, Learning the Father, and Housing the Spirit. We're going to look at these three components, loving the Son, learning the Father, and housing the Spirit. So first, loving the Son. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then Jesus again closes that section with whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Over and over throughout uh, this 
time in the upper room with his disciples, Jesus links these two things together, loving him and keeping his commandments. As I first began to study this passage, it was very easy for me, I don't know if for you, you have this um, same instinct, it was very easy to read this passage like a try harder, do better kind of statement. All right, you can imagine Jesus saying, you really better keep my commandments. All right. But as I began to read, as I began to pray, as I began to see the flow of Jesus' thought here, I realized that that's actually not what's going on here at all. That Jesus is here making a statement, not a judgment. He's saying, if you love me, result, you'll keep my commandments. It will happen because anything else would actually cease to be love. Maybe some of y'all remember being in high school. Maybe some of y'all are in high school. Remember how important friendships were in high school, right? I, I mean, I kind of hate thinking about like high school and middle school, but uh, because it was so, um, it was so anxious. You're anxious about who were you going to sit with at the lunch table, who, who were you going to sit with in class, who was going to be your friend. And once you finally found a friend, right, what is it that you began to do? You began to take on some of their personality traits, right? You began to learn about what it is that they like to do, what it is they're interested in. And you begin to invest in those things, just like they are, right? You begin to share in those things. You begin to take their cares onto yourself, right? Because that's what friends do. If you didn't care about what your friends cared about, then I don't know what you would call it, but it certainly wouldn't be love, right? It wouldn't be a true friendship there. Because love cares about the other person, So what does Jesus care about in our text this morning? Commandments. But why commandments? Hmm? Isn't Jesus supposed to be all about love, right? Aren't we supposed to be saved by grace and not by our works, not by these commandments, right? Well, Jesus is all about love, right? He is all about love, and we are saved by God's grace, but love and grace always produce a commitment, a concern, a care for the other person. On my wedding day, my wife and I made vows to each other, right? We said, I do, back and forth, I do, back and forth, I do. And did those vows, those commitments mean that we weren't being gracious? Did they mean that we weren't being loving? course not. They actually, uh, they help ensure that we will uh, continue to be loving and gracious, not just on that day, but for the rest of our lives. Here in John 14, the commitment is to keep Jesus's commandments. Now, I know there's this misnomer that, um, that Jesus's enemies, the Pharisees, right, they were all about the commandments, right? And I think sometimes when we, when we pit Jesus' love versus the Pharisees' um, legalism, that in that kind of tension, we 
give the commandments of God this bad rap. Like they, they come off in a bad light, like as if they're bad. We shouldn't be doing them. But the problem wasn't that the Pharisees knew all the commandments, right? That wasn't the problem. The problem was, was that they knew them and they didn't care enough to practice them. They just didn't care. Jesus says this in Matthew 23, 2-3. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. That is, they are to keep the law, the commandments of God. So, do and observe whatever they tell you. Okay? But not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They had deceived themselves. They had a grasp on what love would require, but they were unwilling to practice it. Unwilling. James K. Smith is an author who wrote a book, You Are What You Love. In it, he says, Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, He does, but he doesn't just do that. He forms our very loves. He isn't content to simply deposit new ideas into your mind. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try that. He's after nothing less than your wants, your loves, your longings. So this morning, we must not deceive ourselves into thinking that because we know a lot about Jesus, that that means that we love him. Do you remember what Jesus called the hypocrites? Uh, The Pharisees, I mean, he called them hypocrites, right? The Pharisees were those who knew God, knew what he was calling them to, but they weren't going to practice it. I've mentioned this before here. Do you know what the, the number one criticism in our country is against Christianity? They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And I think it's serious for us this morning as Christians that uh, the number one criticism against us is the same criticism that Jesus made about the people who put him to death. The problem wasn't the commandments. The commandments are wonderful. The problem was practicing them. Loving the Son of God means that we will practice his commandments. And when we keep those commandments, when we treasure them, when we practice them, he knows that we love him. He brings them together. Loving me, keeping my commandments. Okay, so we need to keep his commandments. Well, what are his commandments, right? We need to know his commandments if we're going to keep them. And that leads us to our second part here this morning, which is learning the Father. Sometimes we forget, I think, in Christianity where Jesus got all his commandments from. Right? There's, a, there's, this, there's this disconnect between the New Testament and the Old Testament. But the fact is, is that Jesus says he's going to send us the spirit of truth. Right? And later in John 17, a few chapters later, Jesus says... He, he, he defines truth for us. He says, 
Your word is truth. Right? Your word is truth, Father. That Jesus gets his commands from the Father. And so, I think it's important here for us to learn. Who is the Father? What is he like? What has he said? And then we will love Jesus. I remember when I was in college, I had um, auditioned for this uh, acapella group, um, scholarship group that would uh, pay me way more than uh, Chuck E. Cheese would. And so I was like, this is going to be great if I could just get this acapella group, you know, this would be wonderful. And I made it, barely, don't know how, anyway, they were short on people, whatever, I made it. And I started singing with this group, right? So during this five-day intensive um, where we learn all the songs for the year, uh, at the end of it, um, you know, I'm thinking things are going great. I've sung since I was four years old. I've sung in lots of things. I, I feel good. Everything's fine. Well, one sweet little girl came up to me. Not little girl. She was in college. But one of the girls came up to me, and she said, um, I've been elected by our group to tell you that you stink at singing <laughs> with us. And I was like, what? I stink at singing. I've been singing my whole life, you know? She's like, yeah, but this is a cappella, and um, you have to sing with us. Uh, and you have to be in sync with us. It was totally different. I had to blend. I had to listen. I had to make sure that everything was, like, jiving with everyone else. I had been singing as a solo person. I had never sung in a group like this before. And it was showing me that I had a lot to learn in this group. And that's what I think is, is coming out of our text this morning is that the disciples have been with Jesus. They've been learning the Father through Jesus. And for us today, we have to, if we're going to love Jesus and keep his commandments, we've got to go to the Father. We've got to learn him. We've got to study him. We've got to go to his word and say, what does this mean? What did it mean back then in the upper room? What does it mean today? How, how does it affect my life, the life of those around me? Study his word. Um, I've begun uh, using uh, YouTube a ton lately simply because there's just so many wonderful lectures, sermons, content. There's great videos on YouTube. Um, so I would just invite you as you learn the Father, uh, search passages of Scripture, search your favorite preachers and teachers uh, on YouTube, and watch, take notes, study, learn, and Talk about it with a friend, you know, meet up on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, and discuss. Um, some of y'all are new to the Bible, and if you've never read the Gospel of John, which we're in this morning, I would say uh, start there. It's a great place. And, um, and ask questions. Use the folks here, BP, myself, your community group leader, um, to explain what does this mean? Uh, what is the Father like? And what does he require? Um, Okay, so many of you are probably thinking at this point, like, I've been loving the Son, and I've been learning the Father, I've been a Christian for many years now, and uh, I still don't keep His commandments that well, right? So what's wrong? Did Jesus lie to us, right? Uh, or do I not really love Him? What, what's going on? 
Um, and this leads us to our third and final point this morning, which is looking at the helper, God's own Holy Spirit. And it's very possible for a Christian to go their whole life uh, saying, I love Jesus, and saying, I'm learning about the Father, I'm reading the Word, while never letting the Holy Spirit do his job. I think that's why Jesus immediately goes into the third person of the Trinity. Some have called him the forgotten person of the Trinity, right? We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. What about the Holy Spirit? Where is he? What does he do? Right? Jesus is saying here, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him, doesn't know him, but you know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is saying, he's been with you to the disciples, and now he is going to come and be in you. He's going to live inside of you. Now, part of the problem with talking about the Holy Spirit, I understand, is, is that there are two extremes that we've seen in this country, right? Some groups will so promote the Holy Spirit uh, that they kind of seem crazy, and, and they kind of seem to deny like a lot of the like normal, everyday, ordinary means of grace and working out of, uh, of God's will. But there's this other group, too, which is definitely more the, the tradition that I come from and that our church would land in, and that is, is to so diminish the Holy Spirit's work, to so diminish his job, his role, that actually we cease to see God at work. We cease to, to admit that he is still working today in and through us, not in spite of us, although I'm sure he does that, too but in and through us. He's called the helper because we need help loving Jesus. We need help keeping his commandments. He's called the spirit of truth because we can't understand the father's instructions without him. That's why the world doesn't know him because it doesn't see him, right? You can't, can't possibly understand him, but for those that are following him, he will come and make this known. He's taking up residence in our lives because we need him all the time. In fact, uh, the same night, Jesus would say, it's better to have the Spirit than Jesus in the flesh. John 16, 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. If I don't go away, the helper won't come. If I go, then I'll send him to you. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with this, but I've wrestled with this a great deal in the last few years. As life gets harder, as children come in the picture, as jobs uh, requirements intensify, as family dynamics continue to get stickier and stickier, uh, I have wrestled with this. Jesus, I want you here to tell me what to do. I want you here in my family. I want you here in this relationship. I want you here in my business. I want you here because I don't know what to do. Where are you? Why did you have to leave? But Jesus says, 
I'm not here because it was better for you and the world to have the Holy Spirit. That should cause us for a moment to just stop and say, what in the world is the Holy Spirit doing? What is he like? Where is he? Because Jesus is not here so that he could be here, the Spirit. When I was 17 years old, I prayed for the first time since I was a a, a child, and I had hit a wall in life. I could tell very quickly that things were not going uh, as planned and that I was not only uh, responding to the hurt others had um, had had placed on me, had, had things they had done against me, but also now I was beginning to hurt other people. And um, I cried out to God, and I, you know, I can't tell you the exact words I used, but I do remember there were two words that really summed up everything I was asking for. Two words, and they were, Lord, help. And you know what happened? The next day, Actually, I forgot about it. <laughs> I totally forgot I prayed. And for weeks, I, like don't, I didn't even remember that I had prayed, right? Just moved on with life. But it was then, a few weeks later, that I met someone who had the Holy Spirit in them and who showed me the help that I was seeking. And then I remembered, oh, I prayed for help, right? And here it is in this person. So, Three quick things this morning on the Holy Spirit. First is, the Holy Spirit is not as spiritual as some people might think. He's not as spiritual. What I mean is, is that he actually uses other people in our lives. Jesus here uses the plural you. He's not saying you individuals. He's saying you plural, right? In the South, we know this as y'all, saying y'all but I don't think there were enough Southerners on the the translation committee, so it didn't work out. But here's the Southerners version, okay? I'll ask the Father, and he'll give y'all another helper to be with y'all forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Y'all know him, right? For he dwells with y'all and will be in y'all. I'm going to send that to, uh, to the committee and hopefully they'll have it changed. But, but in all seriousness, this is, this, the Greek here is plural for you. It's, it is y'all. The Holy Spirit is coming to y'all. He's going to work in and through y'all. Right? I can't tell you how many hundreds of people have come into my life right, who have had the Holy Spirit and they have been used of God to encourage, to counsel, to challenge, even to rebuke me, right? The Holy Spirit's not as spiritual as some people might think. He uses flesh and blood people in our lives. So, therefore, look for him. Expect him in others. Ask for him from others. Charlie, you're a Christian. Would you pray for me? And would you, this, here's an issue in my life. Would you pray and come to me and tell me what you feel like God is saying to me in this moment, right? Why? Because I don't think of Charlie just as Charlie, right? 
born on such and such date to such and such parents, you know, married to Rachel, two beautiful kids. I don't think of Charlie as just Charlie. I think of Charlie as a housing the Holy Spirit in him, gifted by the Holy Spirit for y'all and me, right? It changes the way that we think about each other, right? I'm not just going to my wife as my wife. I'm going to my wife as someone who houses the Holy Spirit and saying, would you go to God on my behalf and then tell me what you think he's saying? Would you read the word with me and tell me what you think that application is in my life? How can the Holy Spirit speak through us to each other? It's the first thing. The Spirit's not as spiritual as we might think. The second thing, the Spirit is more spiritual than some people might think. He lives inside us, Jesus says. He's guiding, he's instructing, he's convicting. You know, Jesus in this passage says, I won't leave you as orphans. He's near to us all times. All we have to do is talk to him. Listen to him. And I know this might sound weird. Uh, like there's a God living inside your head. He should be talking with you and you should be talking with him. They put people away for stuff like that. But, um, but, but he is real, right? He is, he is real and he does have a job to do. Um, and Jesus said he'll be in you so that you can love me, keep my commands, y'all. All y'all. Even this week, he was changing my heart um, through prayer. My wife and I had a dinner with, with family this week. Um, cousin and aunts and cousins' children. I hadn't seen them in 10 years or so. Um, they hadn't met our kids yet. And um, my wife and I have this habit ever since we lived in London. And, uh, and we were beyond our scope of skill and gift we had to pray a lot more then, and so we've developed this habit of praying uh, before and after social engagements for the people that we'll be meeting with, for our hearts, and for the time that the Lord's will would be done. And so we prayed, and we go, and we talk, and you know, during the dinner, I just kept feeling really helpless. These family members have experienced a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, um, and, uh, and hurt over the years. And um, I just felt so helpless throughout the, the dinner, you know, and I kept, I just kept thinking, okay, well, just, I got to just, you know, uh, be present and just continue to ask questions, just continue to, to listen patiently and ask them, you know, these things, drawing all on these gifts and skills that I have, okay, you know, and at the end of the dinner, uh, we leave, I'm feeling discontent about the whole thing, my wife and I pray, and as we're praying in the car ride home, it, it hit me. Like, I didn't once during that entire dinner of feeling helpless and alone and not sure how to best serve and minister to my family members, I didn't one time ask inside for help. Not one time did I say, Lord, help. I confessed that to my wife, and she looked at me and said, 
you know what? I didn't either. We had prayed before, we had prayed after, but in the moment, we hadn't taken the time to ask God for help and to listen to how he might guide us in that situation. Big, big, big mistake. Because we're so limited in what we can do. And God is so infinite in what he is able to do. And Jesus isn't here in the flesh anymore because his Holy Spirit is in the church to work out his will, to bless the world. We gotta lean in to him, which leads to this third point, which is the spirit. We've talked about how the spirit is not as spiritual as we think. He uses flesh and blood. We've talked about how the spirit is more spiritual than we think. He is here in us, available to us. And the third thing is the spirit is quieter than we may think. If we aren't actively thinking, relying on the Holy Spirit, then I would argue that we are by default missing him. We have a role in how much or how little the Spirit does in our lives and in the lives of others. I don't know how big a role, I don't know how, I don't know the percentage, I can't give you statistics, right? But I just, I know that there is a role that we play. That's why Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, do not quench the Spirit. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't possible. He's saying, don't extinguish the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not restrict the work of the Holy Spirit in you or others. And this is important because I think from Adam, from our sin natures, right, deep down, we still are wrestling. We still don't like to ask for help. We think we know everything, or at least we can, we can kind of figure it out ourselves. Deep down, sin in us trusts ourselves. We trust ourselves and we love ourselves. The Spirit has come to change all that. And my wife and I were convicted of even just this week we would be fools to pass up his help he's the reason that Jesus left he's the one who will complete the work of Jesus in the church so it's him who we must house here in our hearts so what does this mean for us as we close what does this look like once we exit those doors there. Well, I know we have a lot of different folks here this morning. Some of us um, may have been dragged here against our uh, desires. Zero interest, right, in Christianity. Zero interest in following or loving Jesus. Um, the whole Christian religion perhaps seems like hypocrisy to you. If that's you this morning, then I want to say that um, I hope you'll see that Jesus doesn't condone hypocrisy. That what we do matters to God. That's why he brings them together, right? And that's why he was so hard against the Pharisees, because they knew it, but they just didn't live it out. 
If you've been discrediting the Christian faith because you think we're, we all get to be a bunch of hypocrites, but with a get-out-of-jail-free card, then you're going to need to find another excuse for not loving Jesus and following him because hypocrisy is not okay. I think that's one of the things that we see this morning in John. Others of you have been coming regularly, right? You know enough now to feel comfortable uh, here in our congregation, and that's wonderful. We're so glad that you have been and that you do feel that way. But on the inside, you know, right? You sense that your heart is still really hard, still far from the Lord. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to pray to God. I want to invite you to pray to him, even this morning, that two-word prayer. Lord, help. And see how he answers. And still yet, there's many of us in this room who love Jesus, right? We've been following him, learning about him for years, perhaps. The danger for us, I think, is, is that we will quench the spirit. Begin to think that it's up to us, our natural giftings, our education, our Myers-Briggs, to achieve what the Lord requires. But Jesus loves y'all. He loves us. And he certainly wouldn't ask anything of us that he didn't intend to help with. So don't go it alone. Fan the spirit into flame in your life. House him in your heart. Submit to him daily. Alongside other Christians here at Seven Hills or at another Bible-believing church, go to him. Submit to him. John Lennon was orphaned as a boy. Parents were out of the picture. As he tried to piece his life back together, he didn't need more sex. He didn't need more drugs. He didn't need rock and roll. He actually needed love. He needed the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Loving the Son, learning the Father, and housing the Spirit. And I would say that the same is true for us today. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, you know our hearts. Nothing is hidden to you. Each one of us, Lord, different situation, different circumstance, different upbringing, challenges. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on us this morning, that he would fill us, equip us, Lord, to love Jesus, to learn you, Father, to know, to be known by you. We pray, Lord, for Rome. We pray that this city would be so 
changed by the work of your Holy Spirit. We pray that we, as a congregation and every congregation in this city, that we would let the Holy Spirit do his job in our lives. We would let him speak into our lives, that we would humble ourselves before our brothers and sisters and let them speak into our lives, that we would rest in you. God, that we would love you above all else and that we would receive and feel your love. We pray this, Lord, for your glory, for your fame. We pray this for our good and for the salvation of every community in this city and beyond. 